Welcome, witches and ghouls. We are pleased to say that we are a part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network and family. Morbidly Beautiful is your macabre home away from home with horror news, reviews, editorials, and more. Morbidly Beautiful supports everyone in the horror community from special effects artists, indie filmmakers, writers, women, LGBTQ folks, and so much more. And we are so happy to be part of the spooky team. Please go to morbidlybeautiful.com to find out more. And now on with the show. Spin on your podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is a time once a month where Jess puts down her bloody knitting needles and I step away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In this episode, we're discussing horror comedies and why they are an important subgenre of horror. We'll be talking about how they're different from parodies of horror films, their subversion of many beloved horror tropes, and how they are the perfect gateway drug for people who are interested in the horror genre, but just not ready to dive right in. The films up for discussion are What We Do in the Shadows, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and The Final Girls. So pick your poison and listen on if you dare. The point is, Deacon, that you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. What does it matter? You bring them over, you kill them! Vampires don't do dishes. And folks, today we have a guest. Today we're doing our very first crossover episode ever. Three years doing this podcast. You listeners keep asking us to do guests. We keep saying no, but the time has come. It has changed. And we are so honored, humbled, and very excited, very excited. to introduce Gracie from one of our absolute favorite horror podcasts of all time. Good morning, Nancy. Yay. Hi, I'm Yay. so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gracie, do you mind for our listeners describing what Good Morning Nancy the podcast is all about, how long you've been in production, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. So Good Morning Nancy is actually very similar to what y'all do here at Spinsters. Um, it is two friends who uh, talk about horror movies and feminism and LGBTQ rights and activism and community. And we use that and then, you know, put that to horror. And we've been doing this. Oh my gosh, my co-host and I have been doing this for four years. The first year doesn't count. Because <laughs> we, like, we were like, we don't know what we're doing. Let's just talk. And then we were like, oh, maybe we should like actually like try. <laughs> but yeah, so we've been doing this for a few years and it's just been a blast meeting everybody in the community like i'm just so thrilled to be like talking to both of you and good morning nancy is what brought me brought me here so thank you all so much for having me i'm so excited oh, so Excellent. excited to have you on yeah i've Yay! been fangirling this whole time and be like oh my god like i said earlier i'm like i'm hearing i'm seeing the voice i'm talking to the person who i'd be like listening <laughs> to their podcast as i'm walking to work being like i agree yes <laughs> <At this point. laughs> 
I'm just looking at the notes that I have from the very early days of our podcast. Cause I, we remember those days. Everyone- yes. So I was just looking at it. I was thinking that good morning, Nancy was actually one of the podcasts. I like before us starting, I started listening to a bunch of podcasts to see what I liked and didn't like. And Good Morning Nancy wasn't like one of the initial ones that I researched, but within that first year, I found you folks and fell in love with you. So absolutely, you you and Abby seem like, if you were here, we'd all be best friends. Like you just just (laughs) seem like the sweetest, kindest people ever. Uh Oh, thank you. Well, you know, you actually technically aren't that far away geographically. (laughs) That's right. You're like three hours away, right? From from Toronto? Because I'm in Ottawa. So that's you're in Ottawa. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm always the outlier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All the local horror people are close to Kelly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like Toronto is like a, like a horror haven. Like, yes, yes, it is. It's a hub. We've got a hub here. Yeah. So today we're talking about horror comedies, the genre, a gateway drug. And I love (laughs) Jess that you brought this up in like conversation, like offline. Yeah. We were chatting. Off the air, let's say. (laughs) Um, So yeah. Why don't we start with that, Jess? Why don't you talk about your idea about horror comedies being like a gateway drug? Well, I find horror comedies, like, I guess why the way I like termed it, like gateway drug in quotations, (laughs) just, you know, for people, (laughs) we're trying to be, you know, PC a little bit, but not too much. But like, I see it as an easy way to introduce people to the horror genre who are just not really, like we said earlier, not really to dive into it or just like, they're too afraid. Like I find, like, I know for myself when I was really getting into horror and I really wanted to dive in, I started through a lot of the horror comedies too. Like I did a lot of the old B movies, but I like horror comedies because I want to be, I want it to be, I want to laugh and be like, oh, look at that. That's kind of hilarious, that moment or something like that. And it just makes me feel less uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that with people who in my circle who are not huge horror fans are more willing to watch a horror comedy with me than actually watch anything else. Like, like my current partner that I, I live with, he loves what we do in the shadows. And when I was watching it the other day, he kept like sneaking over to like check and watch. And he's like, and the other night I was like, he's like, oh, you're going to watch that movie again? I'm like, well, no, I just watched it. I got to watch a different movie right now. But I just find it's easier to get people to watch something horror adjacent when it's got yeah. comedy to it because it makes them feel a little less comfortable because they got that laugh. Get scared, then you get the laugh. Yeah, no, I love that. What do you, what do you think about that, Gracie? I was just thinking that, that that's exactly what I think about horror comedy is that I know so many people who love gremlins, which yeah. I would mm. consider a horror comedy. Yes, um, And they don't like any other horror but they love gremlins and and like that's a huge thing and that's so funny that you bring up that partner really likes what we do in the shadows and stuff because i was thinking how that film which i'm sure we'll maybe talk about but that film has a lot of references to other horror yeah especially obviously vampires yeah and um and then of course these other like tucker and dale and um final girls they all have maybe final girls is really subtle which i really like even i guess even tucker and dale is too but i guess what we do in the shadows in particular has a lot of references to very specific horror vampire horror movies and it seems like even though there are all these references people who don't like horror still can enjoy it like they're really smartly done i guess is like so i think that's interesting and yeah, like I know so many people who love all three of these films don't know a thing about any other horror movies. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like I like I, I yeah, I like your point how I was saying it makes horror accessible to people who yeah. are into horror, right? And so like they may not even get all those references, but they still find it funny because everyone understands vampires, you know, what right. they are like. It's just it's more of us like big horror nerds are just like, ah, I get that reference. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how are you, Kelly? I agree. I'm trying to think of like, did I in your horror gym, did I show you a bunch of horror comedies, Jess? Like, was that something? Okay. Two okay, of the movies so- we're gonna talk about today because you showed them to me. Right. Right. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I thought so. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And that's why I really liked that kind of analogy of it. Because they are very accessible and they're fun and they have like the gore, but they're not really like spooky. You yeah. know, they don't have like the atmosphere of a horror movie, but they have they more- They make of- people feel comfortable. Yes. With the violence yeah. that they've just seen. Like, yes. I think a really good example <laughs> is when the kid jumps into the wood chipper Oh my god. <laughs> and yep. Tucker's like holding his legs like, oh my god. And then and yeah. then he dies, obviously. And he goes, Are you okay? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And it relieves this tension. Mm -hmm. And I think that people who don't really like horror enjoy that like release. Yeah, great, excellent point. Yes, people are more comfortable laughing than they are getting scared. And, you know, and it's it's also something you can bond over. And that's one of the things I love about horror is that, and I've talked about it so many times with different people, is that we bond over horror. Like, God, we're doing our first crossover episode and we're going to be bonding today for the next hour and a half. Like we just come together and I feel like the only other genre perhaps that would come close is comedy because that mm-hmm. is a moment you're sharing this moment and if you're laughing hysterically with somebody that's something you can like think back on you can create a fond memory like from high school one of my oldest friends Rosa who I'm still friends with we met each other in junior high we're best friends all through high school and when Night of the Roxbury came out silly absurd movie but we watched it all the time and we still quote it to each other to this day because we just bonded over that ridiculous comedy from the 90s you know so I love that I love that about it yeah I agree I definitely agree with that yeah I was gonna say like one of the things that you bond over is uh from what we do in the shadows the television series you know like fucking guy like all the time (laughs) just because right but we bond over those scenes yeah no one else gets it but (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly so I got the idea of this episode from an episode of horror queers that they did on the final girls with Jen Adams who I would love to have on here she's going to be on our list of great guests (laughs) as well and I think it was Trace that actually mentioned this so he talked when they were talking about the final girls he said that that movie seemed like a sub version of parodies or it's a subversion of you know a lot of those slasher tropes and slasher movies from the 80s so our horror parodies are like scary movie haunted house saturday the 14th those are to me like straight up just comedies mm. and sure they're <laughs> i guess that's also <laughs> debatable that. You're like some kind of comedy, someone's sense of humor, not mine. <laughs> it's 14-year-old boy humor. 14, yes. Mm, or yes. that's why I love it. Okay, so I get that. Great. I can see where this is all going to go. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm actually really glad that we have different opinions on, on yeah. this type of comedy because that makes everything a little bit more spicy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So there are more straight up quote comedies, we'll say, and they lack a lot of horror. But what I find and what I thought was so interesting to to 
put into this episode is that I feel like those movies, parodies are actually making fun of horror, whereas horror is a butt of the joke. But the films that we're talking about today don't do that. They're having mm. fun with horror. These yes. people actually like and or love and enjoy horror movies and yes. horror tropes. And then they're really blood-soaked horror films, right? Mm-hmm. So these people don't seem like they hate horror movies, whereas you go and watch Scary Movie and you're like, mm, I think you don't like the movies. Yeah. Referencing all through this. Which, can I bring this up? Yeah. Because I think that this is really interesting because the movies like Haunted House, Scary Movie, they are, for the most part, starring people of color and there are people of color behind the scenes. And I think for me, I think it's really interesting Mm. that these came out before movies, before like Jordan Peele became Mm -hmm. big, Mm -hmm. before he actually like treated like people of color in horror movies with respect. And I can see how like movies like Scary Movie and Haunted House and whatever, how these movies are almost literally (laughs) shitting on like these horror tropes because Mm -hmm. of the way that people are treated it like people of color especially black people are treated in horror movies and so i can Mm -hmm. totally see how they would like twist that and kind of like make fun of a genre that has technically hated them right Mm -hmm. for so many years yeah so even though like i personally think that they're trash like i don't like these movies i don't think that they're very funny it's just not Mm. my type of humor i can see how it can be used as like a cathartic kind of like a cathartic uh artistic way of like (laughs) getting all these negative emotions out about these films that don't include that don't include them yeah in a positive way yeah so That's a really great great point. point. That's just my little tidbit that I would like just thought of. That's a great point because if I, I've seen the, I've seen Haunted House once and I think it was, Mm. wasn't it the Wayans brothers that. Mm -hmm. The Wayans brothers did both of them? Scary movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Going, that's going back some time. Saturday the 14th is very white. Yes. That one. Yeah. That one I wasn't thinking of at all. Yeah. That one I wasn't thinking of at all. Yeah. And you also can really tell the difference. Those two movies compared to Saturday the 14th. Okay, so folks listening, I've watched all these movies front and back, especially Saturday the 14th, which I watched in, because I hadn't seen it before for this, because I've just heard about it so long. And I thought it was absolutely absurd, but I laughed out loud many times. (laughs) Good. You put positive energy into the air. Yeah, there you go. Like, it's different humor for different people, right? You yeah, know, absolutely. That. For me, it was more of, like, watching it. Like, I didn't get through it. I only got yeah. maybe halfway through it. And I was like, mm, I'm stopping. Because I was just like, this is just ridiculous. Why is this all <laughs> happening? Why is everyone just acting so cavalier about things? I did, like, at one point, start thinking, laughing about, like, how there's those memes that go around all the time about, there's a haunted house. White family's going to jump in and buy it right away. Yep. You're just like, okay, well, this is this is where this meme exists. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which wasn't that like, I'm just going back to like, wasn't that where Jordan Peele got the idea for Get Out was from an Eddie Murphy stand up where he talked about how like the difference between a white family and a haunted house with a black family and a haunted house. Right. So they would just leave. And yeah, the yeah. white family would be like, this is great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not really haunted. No, just put drapes not. up. Well, put drapes up. Yeah. It'll be better. <laughs> sure. Just put drapes up. Put up some wallpaper. 
Yeah. Put a live, laugh, love. Oh, yeah. yeah. Over <laughs> He's like, too far, too far. Too far, too much. <laughs> um, did you folks watch any other movies, like good ones that, that, that you like that are good horror comedies this month? I mean, I gotta tell you, when I saw these three that you picked mm-hmm. for this episode, I was like, these really are the top th- tier, the three best. And then I then I would think like Gremlins would also be in there, right? Yeah, as yeah. One. So the I only watched these three. I watched Hell Baby, which I would throw into the list because okay, I've never seen that. Hell Baby, That's I think is hilarious, hilarious. and it's really like nice. this rip on haunted house and possession films, and it's like chock full of comedians. And like I watched Hell Baby for the first time many years ago, but I also didn't know who most of those comedians were at the time. So rewatching it now, I just appreciate it on on different levels. But I also think that that is a subversive kind of horror comedy because I feel like they knew the subject matter and they put it into this very comedic movie, and I just enjoy it so much. It was so funny. Well, usually, and for me, I usually turn to horror comedies often like if I want horror but I want but I'm having if like I'm having a day where I'm just like I want a horror movie but I still want to laugh I want to watch one and I know one's that I've seen, like, Hell Baby is another one I watched the vampire one where it's like the office and the vampire oh over- um blood-sucking freaks blood-sucking freaks yeah yes. you know I watched that um yeah the other one I watched uh cooties nice. oh my yeah. god yeah <laughs> cooties cooties is also up there that one is also really good yep so those are those are the types of films that so those are the ones I was yeah. able to get in this month and I feel like I did watch another one that was a horror comedy but I slipping my mind yeah that's fair Mm -hmm. well speaking of what we do in the shadows should we move on and that be the first movie we talk about today (laughs) (laughs) excellent it's been like this the whole time deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point though. Yeah, you're missing no, I the know. Not that I know. Flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. <laughs> Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look. A ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent, but I don't. The trouble with being a vampire is you have to be invited in. Like Coming to the bar, please. Will you invite us in? We need some fresh blood. Hi, my name is Nick. I've been a vampire for two months. My friend Rich is a bouncer. He'll invite us in. Gentlemen, you are most welcome. <laughs> Nick is so much fun. I'm a vampire. Vampire! Vampire! Such a dick. Oh. Nick, why don't you use the front door? You want to draw attention to this house, hmm? You've got a whole documentary crew following you around. You let a vampire hunter into our I don't house. Wait a minute, I just got my email. I'm dead. I'm gonna kill you! I'm already dead! Not eat the camera guy, maybe one camera guy. Here's your legs. Wow. Ah, the f did he do? Hey, that was. Don't swear. What are we? 
When you're a vampire, you become very sexy. Okay, so I think I read about what we do in the shadows, the movie uh, In Room Morgue, I think. Yeah, I'm going back a long time ago. And I also knew of Jermaine Clement, but I wasn't really like, I'm not overall big into comedies more now than I was 10 years ago. So I generally kind of knew who he was and what he was about. And then I watched the trailer and it looked like it was going to be really great and like fun about vampires, this mockumentary. So I'm definitely, it's about vampires. I had to watch it. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'm in Ottawa and Jess and I are out at this used like media store, whatever, see the Blu-ray, buy it. And then immediately we go back and I show it to Jess. Yeah. And that's my story. I, Kelly showed yeah. me that film and I thought it was hilarious and had a instant relate, had an instant love and infatuation for Vladislav, but that has changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Gracie? <laughs> I just gotta say, my I think my favorite part of that film is when he's trying to take off his mask, and he's like, "No way, I got it, I got it," and he like he's like, "Okay," he's like, and he yes. makes like that face when he turns. He's like, "Oh my god, it gets me every time." I love that. He's definitely my favorite character in that. Um, so I first, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think I first heard about this film from a friend of mine who has been on our show a few times, Kate Scully. And she was, she's somebody who like is very particular about her horror that she picks. And her, I think like one of her favorite subgenres is the horror comedy. Cause she also introduced me to Tucker and Dale, mm -hmm. which is so funny because like I'm like the horror fan and she's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was like really interesting. But um, she showed me that film and then Abby had already seen it. And we ended up doing an episode about mm. that one way back. I don't even know what we talked about, but we did an episode on that one. And yeah, that one I really loved because have you have you guys played um vampire the masquerade yes no it's okay so jess knows this is like a great example this and near dark i think are mm. both really great films that kind of show you like what the gameplay yeah. of that of that role-playing game could be like yes so I also really love like that aspect of it yeah awesome yeah so I guess we're getting into likes yeah. so for me literally everything mm, about yeah. this movie oh my god I show this movie often to people I've showed it to my good friend Jeanette and she loved it I was like oh this is she's not really like a horror person but I was like she's a gothy person I was like you know vampires you're mm -hmm. and you like to laugh so I know you're gonna love this like I show this movie to to anyone I possibly can I love that I still laugh like I watched it a couple of hours ago I love that I still laugh out loud all throughout this movie like this comedy get like i get this comedy this comedy gets me i guess i think it's just so fucking funny it's so funny <laughs> and so ridiculous and so amazing and there's like little things that i'll still pick up mm -hmm. each time and i've watched this movie so many times since i bought it and it's uh wonderful i love the theme song which is catchy every time i watch the movie yes. it gets stuck in my head mm-hmm <laughs> Um, it's intensely quotable. Holy moly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's very quotable. That's oh my God. I Everything. That's, I think, my thing that I like about it. Yeah. Yes. Everything is a quote. Vampires don't do dishes. I had that as a cross stitch walking into my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> as he does uh, the dishes. 
And like, even in that same scene, he's like, it's like inappropriate to have all these bloody dishes everywhere. And it pans over and they're just actually bloody dishes. dishes actually, yeah. I can't. I get like, I, I just like, Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then there's like the new one, and because it's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference now to me, where Vlad's like, I call this look dead but delicious. Pump. And then I'm like, pump, 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 pump. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, oh, okay. The other one that I'll bring up is a quote that I just fucking lo- love today. Deacon, who I adore, he's like, we need to be turn into a vampire, you become very sexy. And he just like waves at himself. Like he should be sexy. Like in my mind, I think, I think he's really sexy, but like probably not most people. But he's just like, see, prime example here. And I'm like, oh boy. No other, no need, no explanation needed. Like, right. Cause automatically vampires are sexy. Doesn't matter, right? Does not matter what they look like. They're sexy because they're a vampire. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, well, and I will echo a lot of the same things. It's so quotable. And that's what I love about it so much. I, and every time I watch it, I end up finding myself growing warmer and warmer to a different character. Yeah. So when I first watched this, I was all about like Vladislav. I was like, oh yeah. Cause he's like, yeah. he's like my Dracula vampire. I love that. Yeah. But I absolutely love Viago now. Like I, I relate <laughs> yeah. to yeah. Viago. I'm like, yeah. get you Viago. I can see that. Put towels down, please. He's <laughs> got to clean that later. That's me. <laughs> He's so just like sweet, nerdy, and awkward. So right? I get that. Yep. He's yeah. definitely the more maternal domestic one. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. Them all, which is yeah. pretty cute. I love yeah, he, that. So I, I just find I just, you know, and then like the fact that it's spawned also this really hilarious television series oh that you God. just end up loving more as well with all those different characters. So yeah. it just, it's created this interesting universe. And I really want to yeah. see the, um, the series that came out to uh, Wellington um, Supernatural or Wellington Paranormal, Paranormal was, was like the two police officers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I haven't Ooh. seen any. It, has that even come out yet? I don't. I, oh, I don't know. I keep. I, know, I haven't I, heard anything about it. But, I haven't heard about it either. But I wanted to hear. I wanted to see that. And I also like. I know they talked about wanting to do something with the werewolves, and oh I was like, god. I would love yes. to see a whole thing about the werewolves. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> werewolves, yeah. not swearwolves. Oh my god! <laughs> the best. <sighs> everything. 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 <laughs> yeah. everything. everything. So <laughs> um, but also we can't, you know, it's a horror movie. The effects are awesome. Like just no, just like actually pretty incredible. Like Deacon coming out of the backpack, also oh. very creepy. Oh, yeah. They're flying, the blood, the cat Vlad face. <laughs> I laugh every time. Every like, time. The effects are fantastic. Like, they did such a wonderful job in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for that budget. It oh, was like, I know. That was pretty great. <laughs> really, really well done. Is there anything that stands out for you, Gracie, that you really love about this film? Um, you know, I mean, like, like we all said, like the quotes probably are the biggest thing. And going back to like Vampire the Masquerade, like I love that you can see like their everyday life and how like difficult it actually would be to be a vampire. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it, yes, like maybe there is like this sort of sex appeal to being a vampire, but it would be so difficult in modern times. <laughs> And to kind of like not break the masquerade and to like not let people find out. So that's why like mm-hmm. I think his name's Nick, right? Nick is yeah. the yeah. yeah. Nick is the Twilight. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the Twilight vampire. Yeah. Like he um 
like like just the tension that with him and like him like just telling people that he's a vampire and then he ends up running into the vampire hunter so i just feel like just like the actual like danger that they are really in and but also like the comedy aspect of it i think all really (laughs) blends very well into the story yeah and i don't think i've seen of I mean, I don't feel feel like I, I know another vampire comedy that does all of that so well. Like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this with the other films, but all three of these films that we're gonna talk about today have like a softness to them. Mm-hmm, they have yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. And there is like a real wonderful friendship that these three yeah. men have, plus the other men that they've added into mm-hmm. this their clan, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like I and I think like Deacon, especially, who like I forgot he was a Nazi. Like I was, <laughs> he was a Nazi vampire. I was like, oh shit, he was a Nazi. Yeah. But I think like yeah. it's kind of great that he has a sort of arc in this. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other ones kind of do. They have like a really sweet arcs that kind of go with like uh like the love life that they sort of have. But Deacon sort of has like this friendship that he kind of makes with Nick. And they like yeah. they kind of like make up at the end. And yeah. I think that that is and we're gonna talk about this. I, I want to talk about this with Tucker and Dale, but there is this like the sweetness to this mm-hmm. film. And yeah. I think I saw that a lot of that comes from just how New Zealanders are. They have it's yeah. called polite comedy is what Taika Waititi called it. Right. Okay. And um, this polite comedy just sort of is ingrained into their culture. And uh, you can see that in this film. <laughs> and I, Absolutely. that's another thing that I love about it is how sweet it is. So. Right. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I love everything that you just said because yeah. I get that and yeah. I have also seen it. And of course, it's not the, like the first thing that comes to my mind, but you're absolutely right. These men yeah. are men. It's like a male-focused film, same with Tucker and Dale, but they're not terrible dudes. Like, I know, okay, Deacon used to be a Nazi. I get that. But like, we don't, the, yeah, that polite comedy aspect of it because there's, there's not a lot of crassness in this. It's no. a bit more wholesome. It's like vampire humor. So it's going to be like her horrific humor but it's not vulgar Mm -hmm. Um, which I also like about it no and like we mentioned earlier like Viago is they call him the dandy which yeah Yeah. but like there is like this kindness and this domesticity I mean like Deacon knits and stuff like they do all these little things that would be considered very feminine yeah and there is like this whole thing where like well vampire like a vampire as a queer uh, monster and how they could like kind of gender bend and stuff Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. um, with like the roles that they play but I think it's safe to say like at least in this film they sh- they are shown as very hetero and so yeah. the fact that they are displayed as hetero men that do these very domestic things yeah. around their house yeah. I think is really important yeah and absolutely I really enjoy that aspect of it because it kind of does turn like that you know the male like cisgendered male like mm-hmm. idea of masculinity on its head absolutely mm-hmm. yep so There's such that- a camaraderie let's say yeah. amongst those men it doesn't seem to be like tons of this like really toxic like competition and that kind of nonsense no. that no, you see no. normally I like that no you're very very right there is a wonderful softness to this that I guess we're I'm just discovering and realizing now so especially when you have that scene when Peter 
gets killed by the oh, sunlight, uh, right? And they're just like and they're heartbroken, right? And they're devastated. Absolutely. Right? And it's just like Tragic. this whole time you're watching them, you're laughing with them, you're watching them, you know, bond and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden the death of one of their comrades and they're just like, this is not filmable anymore. Stop. Yeah. Stop filming. Yeah. You have Yago's crying and you're just, you're in your heartbroken for them. You're like, oh, yeah. poor Nosferatu type vampire's dead. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that's my only dislike is that Peter dies too early. <laughs> I I wanted Peter to I was I love I, Peter. Yeah, the first time I saw that movie and I was shocked that Peter died so quickly. I was like, yeah. What? That no. was yeah. me too. I was not expecting that when I first saw this. I was like, no. I no. wanted him to be a part of like a, an elusive part of the group. I kind of liked that about him, but I guess that's not going to be like a really like marketable type of character. But it would have been nice if he at least lived longer. At least yeah. lived longer. I get why that scene happened and it brings like the vampire hunters into the fold and the issues yeah. and the tensions with Nick. I get it. But it's still devastating to me because. I love Peter. I love my 8,000 year old vampire who's Nosferatu because they're my favorite. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A vampire for every vampire fan in that film. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So getting more into the movie. So how, how do we all think that this is like a subversion of vampire movies or any kind of parodies? Well, you know, I haven't seen Dracula dead and loving it for a very long oh, time, but I'm that. pretty sure that also was making fun of vampires. Oh yeah. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen from the nineties. Definitely. Yeah. Vampire dead and loving it is definitely doing that for me. I feel like the subversion comes in the, the, the tropes of each of our vampires. So I was like yeah. this time watching it around, I was like, okay, so Deacon is our lost boys type vampire. Like he's like mm-hmm. the young rebellious, like Kiefer Sutherland, he's our David, and Iago yeah. is our enter the view with the vampire vampire, and yeah, you know, Vladislav is clearly Dracula, like yeah, right he's scary. clearly right. literally Vlad. Yeah, Kelly said Peter is our Nosferatu vampire, yeah. and then we get Nick, who's our modern vampire. He's our mm-hmm. Twilight vampire. So he's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like, and like you were saying earlier, Gracie, it's like so taking these different tropes of vampires, putting them all in one flat together, and be like, now live your life day to day. And try not to burn to death in the sun. Yeah, right. Yeah. right? You know. Yeah. It's brilliant. Like this, this movie, they know, they knew, they know vampires, they know vampire rules, folklore, vampire tropes, and they have fun with it. And that's what I love about it. They're not making fun of vampires. Like some of this stuff is like more like poking fun at it because some stuff in horror is kind of absurd and it's okay to have fun with that man in black metal we can do that like there's aspects of some of these things that are very like serious like bram Stoker's dracula very serious movie interview the vampire this serious stuff you know so let's just flip that on its head and have fun with the horror and have fun with vampires because we all love vampires yeah you can show what we do the shadows um to literally anyone and like you said like people are going to enjoy it just for the fact that they generally know vampires most people kind of like common knowledge know who vlad the impaler is so they get that Vladislav the poker is this really great kind of rip <laughs> on that. And then my other favorite part of the movie is bringing the technology aspect of it. I also just love yes. any part of the show or this movie when they teach these vampires anything about technology and it's adorable and hilarious. So he's like showing them a, probably a Facebook type Facebook. thing, you know, and he's like, oh, we can see your pictures. Yeah, great. Let's see the pictures. He's like, or we could poker. And he's like, okay. yes, okay. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I love it. There's so much like physical comedy just oh. in their facial expressions. I love it so much. 
So do you feel like that they become more lonely with the technology that they have? Do you think that that just adds to the loneliness of becoming a vampire? Like the longer you're alive, obviously, the more lone, the more lonely you become oh because God. they have access to all of this. I kind of feel like this was what we were like during the pandemic. We have access to everything, but we can't do it. We can't do oh, anything. I'm wondering if like that, right. Sorry. I just brought you. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's a good point that you bring up because really they have two different forms of kind of isolation from society. Right. Like I remember making a note being like, so there are these vampires are different ages, right? They've come from different yeah. generations eras. and yep. eras and they, yeah. the eras keep changing and they have to try and keep up all the time. And they clearly are not doing very well. Like they're no. doing the best they can but like you can tell in their dress you can tell in the way yeah. they speak to each other that they're kind of still stuck in the eras that they were in and then we introduce technology and then yeah it's like now they have to figure all this new tech out and stuff like that but then it's going to cause like further isolation because you know we do see the scene where Vladislav later on when he won't go to the masquerade hunched over <laughs> Facebook and he's doing his evil bidding on the internet yeah, <laughs> he's on right. eBay his dark biddings his dark <laughs> buying a table but you're right like it, it would lead it kind of to a further isolation because now now everything is at their fingertips they don't have to leave they could just like call someone up and be like hey bring someone here to me go to your dates especially since it's it's hard for them to go into places now because they have to be invited in oh yeah it has so, to be only at night yeah yes and so like the only places that are like open are these clubs and they have to be invited in and like they show like how that's kind of funny and stuff and that doesn't always yeah. work or whatever and like so it's like it's difficult to go places mm-hmm. now and so but now they have this internet and they can just stay in and they don't have yeah. to they don't have to go out they can bring people yeah. to them which is mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so that was just something that I was thinking about rewatching it. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. I don't. I, like that. I think generally vampires are are lonely, but I don't get By that nature. vibe from <laughs> this movie because they all have each other, and yeah. I mean now they're able to watch sunrises on YouTube, That's and true. they're able to yeah. enjoy some things that they aren't able to. And yes, deliver meals. They didn't really like get into that aspect, but they totally could just get people delivered to them, right? Like Tinder. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Like, oh yeah, I I would love to see the series go into that. <laughs> Eventually, figure that out. <laughs> Which you know, like that actually is like a good, honestly, like just a good commentary on the internet in general. There's so many things that are like, eh, maybe not so great about it, but then there are mm-hmm. things that have like really improved our way of life, and uh, the same for vampires. Absolutely. You know, and I was just thinking this too, where typically whenever we, in the vampire lore and in when we talk about vampire movies, whenever they talk about vampires living together, it's usually they're in like, um, they call them covens and they call them yeah. all feral. They're like, whenever yeah. vampires live together, it is really bad. They're really mean. They're really feral. Yeah. That's not the case in what we do in the show. Like no. these group of vampires live together. They're super sweet and they're taking care of each other and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So it's once again, it's playing on that trope that vampires don't always have to be solitary, live on their own creatures. They could actually yeah. have a little community with in themselves and also breach the whole like vampire werewolf like feud yes (laughs) yes absolutely again another play like on like toxic masculinity and like Mm -hmm. not getting along with certain like men and stuff they're all getting along and it's towards the end and it's wonderful yeah i love so in this movie again that it's referential right vampire movies exist in this world (laughs) werewolves exist in this world and i love that i love when horror exists in these horror movies you know we've got our epic iconic lost boys reference and they're like yeah we ripped that off of the lost boys i'm like yes yes so they've watched this movie (laughs) 
now you're eating worse. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then he tries to do the exact same trick to the girl oh boy <laughs> it's and he tries to like ex slowly explain the trick to you and I'm like oh no uh, yum. nick do you like biscotti uh yep usually like it but be better if it was warm so this is my favorite trick we present our guest with a plate of biscotti and then I will say, why don't you eat some boschetti? Please, Nick, eat some boschetti. I didn't realize you enjoyed eating worms, Nick. No, no. They are worms. <laughs> There's worms wiggling around in my plate. It is worm-like, but it's not actually We stole that idea from the Lost Boys, but I put a nice twist on it. Nick, how did it feel to have a snake for a penis? <laughs> Jackie, my penis has disappeared. There's a cobra snake. No one's going to mistake your penis for a cobra <laughs> neck, okay? Believe what you me. Got my spaghetti? You no, it is just a normal penis. But werewolves live in this world, and I love that. And also, you know, we get the end party, but there's witches and there's demons. Yes, I love that there's right? everyone. Everyone is in this world, whereas often in vampire movies, it's strictly only vampires exist. But if vampires exist, everything else exists. Come on. So I love that that happens in this movie. And again, yes, the dynamic and the quote war, the tension between <laughs> the vampires and the werewolves. Oh, my God. I could watch that for days. Like just the dynamic and the quotes from that. Don't catch fleas. Um, <laughs> did we get your heckles up? It's called hackles. But anyways, <laughs> heckles. They say heckles. And I love that the werewolves in this, and you see in the show too, that they're very canine-like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Less like, normally werewolves are, yes, they come from wolves, yes, but then they're just more like monstrous creatures, but they're mm. more like dogs. <laughs> So I yeah. love that. I love that because they are like dogs because they're wolves. Exactly. So he like pretend throw something and the guy goes to try to get it. It's He's like, like no, 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 come back. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. my God. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. This film truly is genius and, and, and it like in like i said and it continues to tackle all kinds of the different vampire tropes we get the the child vampires we get the whole yes. relationship between the familiar and the master you know and jackie being like i've been doing this forever and now i'm never yeah. gonna become a vampire but then like nick comes in all of a sudden as a vampire and so we we try to talk those like gender dynamics in yes. uh, vampire films and then we get the other aspect i wanted to bring up was the virgin blood that i always <laughs> love the line <laughs> from Vladdy laughing like i i just don't want to eat my sandwich knowing someone's fucked it, fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> like, wouldn't you and i was like oh. you know you've got a good point but it's making fun of that whole like no we must have virgin blood yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely like some of these things are it's absurd right yeah. yes this whole desire for virgins and he was like yeah no that's it's it's they're playing with that that's pretty brilliant I'm really curious to hear what y'all think of Jackie as basically the only real female lead in this film, mm -hmm. right? Is that her name? She's Jackie? Yeah, her yep. name's Jackie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was like, about her. yeah. I just, I well, she has a great, she has a few great lines. Like, mm -hmm. if, I had, if I had a penis, I would have been bit by now or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just like pretty great. Yeah. Um, but I think I remember feeling like 
I kind of wish that they had more female vampires in the movie. And mm-hmm. you do see them at the end, and you see that they do play a role, and they are powerful, and Jackie does get her wish yep. of becoming a vampire and yeah. having her boring ass husband become her familiar and stuff yep. but um, i i guess for me it's like i i always really wish that they'd done that and they kind of they remedied that with the yes with the absolutely they, yeah the series definitely remedies that with uh nadia as, yeah. uh, as a vampire she's great but i will definitely agree with you in the film I guess, like, looking at it, it's like, oh, yeah, the female vampires are not necessarily always portrayed in the best light, because even, like, with Jackie, she, to me, it feels like a, a vampire groupie who's just like, well, I just want to be a vampire, yeah. right? Like, just make me a vampire. Now I'm a vampire, and you, know, I want you to get me a bedazzler, and I'm going to live up the vampire lifestyle, not realizing what it really is. And then the only other, other female vampire we meet is the Beast. The Beast. Yeah. <laughs> and she is just a promiscuous woman who does whatever she wants, and she will eat someone. So we get the monstrous vampire the very yeah. monstrous female vampire that we usually yeah. see in our films yeah Absolutely. well and i think like jess you kind of mentioned how this film sort of plays on like the gender dynamics mm. and stuff so i wonder if this like is a commentary on how female vampires up till that point really hadn't been shown mm. in films i guess twilight would have probably been really like the main one maybe yeah but like they really weren't shown a lot in like popular vampire films and then i feel like after that we got um oh i'm blanking on some of the names uh is it byzantium yeah that came out and then like that was like most that was female vampires a girl walks home alone at night yes absolutely and it was almost like female vampires like came Mm -hmm. like we're starting to like re-emerge I guess or like emerge in film and then we have like this what we do in the shadows tv show and we have a female vampire who was like the main character I appreciate that you're right up until then mainly female vampires you know I was just thinking about some of the the movies were either brides or complete they're like Lucy in Bram Bram Stoker's Dracula she's monstrous like Jess said so there wasn't a lot of like the hunger I love but you know yeah you know um yeah Miriam Blaylock is not the most likable woman so I mean up until that around this time you're right there wasn't a lot of like female vampires you could really root for and like be really comfortable with that I'm trying to rack my brain on it now I mean Claudia in Interview of the Vampire as a child vampire she was interesting yeah um, I guess Celine in Underworld, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Hunter, yeah. But then like they make commentary on well well, yeah, she's a hunter of werewolves. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Like action vampire. But I feel like, yeah. you know, Gracie's got a good point there. It's like in the last couple I guess I can't remember what decade. The last decade, last we've decade. gotten, we're getting more interesting female vampires who actually have more prominent roles. Yes. And yeah. then this, yeah. the television series, yeah. like Nadia, is kind of, is representative of all these different types of vampires that we're seeing now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And she's like, kind of like the badass of the show, right? Because she's, oh, absolutely. you know, she's the smart one. <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> she's oh, a smart, yeah. spicy one. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. Yep. She's a witch too. She's not just yep. like, she was a witch in a past life. She's also a vampire. So she still uses magic. Yep. You know, she's a, compl- she's a complicated, complex vampire character. And I love yes. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Should we move on to our next film? Sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. So next we're going to talk about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, jeez. Whoa, Jesus. Did you see the way those guys looked at us? Who wants to go skinny dipping? Ah! 
Rose. They captured Allison! Some pancakes. You hate pancakes. I'm, I'm gonna make you something else. What am I doing here? Fell into the water. I dove in and rescued you. We'll go find your friends. You should relax. Tucker and Dale are on the case. What is this place? It's just a cabin. It doesn't mean they're psycho killers. Then why don't you go in there and talk to them? All right. Maybe I will. I said maybe. Dale? What are you doing? I'm, I'm digging a crapper hole. You mind if I help? He's making her dig her own grave. There's no rules out here. It's us against <laughs> them. Oh, oh, good. Look, your friends are here. Ah! Oh! 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 Are you okay? friend out there. He must be allergic to bees or something because he was running like a bat out of hell. This is a suicide pact. These kids are coming out here and they're killing themselves all over the woods. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Oh, go, 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 go. The girl that we have, she can maybe explain the whole thing. You've got another one inside. Oh, she's in my bedroom. Oh, you gotta take the safety off on the side there. Don't do that. Oh! 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 Time to start being more careful. Go, 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 go. Time to die, freak. Oh! Oh! Fire! Stop, stop, roll. No, don't, don't use that. Let's get you down from there. Wait. Sorry about that. This vacation sucks. Oh boy, Some, sometimes I don't remember how I learn about movies, but at least I remember for Tucker Indale versus Evil is that I love Alan Tudyk because I loved his work in, now I'm going to start calling it Mutant Enemy Productions, old, not, I'm not calling it Joss Whedon, not the Whedonverse anymore, uh. but I loved Alan Tudyk in Firefly, Serenity, mm -hmm. and his role in Dollhouse was fucking a thing of brilliance. And so... Once I saw that he was coming in, like he was in a horror movie, whether it was a horror comedy or not, I absolutely had to watch it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this was a film that on a visit to Kelly's place, we were hanging out. It was after like Fan Expo. We had finished Fan Expo. We were tired right. and exhausted. Like, yeah. let's throw on a funny movie or some sort. And she threw on yeah. uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And I was like, and I was cackling the whole time because <laughs> I also am a fan of Alan Tudyk and just that type of, that type of horror that just like misunderstanding the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> They're just misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you, Gracie? How did you well, hear about this movie? Like I mentioned before, this was another one that my friend Kate right. uh, told me about and she was like, oh my gosh, you would love it. And so it's because of her that I've seen this film. <laughs> yeah. And it was on the US Netflix at the time. Nice. And that's how I had first seen it. So. Excellent. All right. So good. Oh my God. Okay. Well, tell us uh, some things that you like about it. Oh my gosh. Well, I think like you said, like Alan Tudyk is one of the best parts. Like he, oh my gosh. And I'm blanking on the gentleman who plays Dale. They Taylor are, Levine. Thank you. Yeah. They're both super great. Um, love their chemistry. That's like probably one of the best parts is how great their chemistry is. You feel yeah. like that they have actually been friends since they were kids. Yeah. And, um, and I love like the twist on you know the the yep. hillbilly in horror movies yep. 
Yeah. And like, again, like we'll talk about like this movie is so sweet again with like two yes. cisgendered white men, like who have this really sweet relationship and this sweet yeah. bond and you know, the besties buying their summer home, buying a summer home together. <laughs> yes, right. I love it. So like these That's platonic the- love friends. Right? Yes. yes. Especially since I read an article recently that white men, especially, and it's not just straight white men; it's queer white men as well, have a very hard time making and keeping adult male friendships Mm -hmm. and like they were saying in this article because we have such a really bad view of masculinity and that if you get too close to somebody it starts to kind Mm -hmm. of seem kind of gay you know and then for men who are queer it's like there's this weird line because they're attracted to the same sex and so there's like are we friends are we not yeah. what's going on you know yeah. so they are all already mm. dealing with that and so mm. the fact that we actually have an issue i think the study was done for the u.s i'm not sure about canada but that we have an issue in the states at least with straight white men and queer white men having lasting really close friendships with other men Men. Mm -hmm. and so i think that having films like what we do in the shadows and tucker and dale are so important because we can show white men that you can have these really beautiful friendships yeah and um yeah because women don't really have that issue at least like scientifically they've found that women don't really have this that bonding issue like women will be seen like locking arms and holding hands and they're not together Mm -hmm. but men can't do that there's this weird like line that they don't want to cross when it comes to like holding hands or locking arms and it's and they did the study they found that men actually do want to have closer relationships with their friends I bet but they do. yeah and because tucker and dale do in this film i think that it's the fact that they buy a summer home together like that's something that you would maybe see a couple do you yeah. know yeah and the fact that they're not a couple they're just really good friends yeah. it's really important that they show that in a horror yeah. film yeah in a, mm-hmm. you know and so that's what another really yeah. big reason why i love this film so much mm-hmm. Great point. And it's really sad that men feel that way, that they can't have, or they have such a hard time getting close with, with other men, because as women, like there's nothing in my mind better than having close girlfriends. Mm. Like, you're on the same level. You can just connect and you get each other. And it's just, it's so wonderful. And it's like untouchable, right? It's unlike anything else you'll have, right? Yeah, and I cherish, cool. I cherish those relationships so much. And I wish men could have that. And they really can, but it's just, a man, the patriarchy harms all of us, right? It and does. I, it's so not just... sad. And if you can have such great friends and friendship is what is going to carry you forever because people come and go but your friends usually don't and even if they do that's fine but like if you've got some core groups of friends and you've got close friends like your romance all of that all of anything else in your life is quite I in my mind like I don't want to necessarily want to say expendable but people come and go but you know usually friendships last and that's really important and I find that very sad that men are really missing out on a wonderful part of life. Yeah, that's so true, yeah. 
and missing that opportunity to grow, right? Because I find that within my own female friendships, I've been able to grow because I have friends who I can sit down and have pep talks with, like Kelly and I all morning, we're having a big pep talk, you know, and we could have like these back and forths or, you know, you, we are close girlfriends can also call us out and keep us in check when we're acting a little like when we're saying things that we really shouldn't be saying or really make us think. But when men yeah. don't have those friendships and we see this in T- Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where Tucker is constantly coaching Dale on confidence. He's like, here, Absolutely. Goodbye. come on. We're, we're together we're in this together like they have those moments of growth together but because yeah. like you're saying men don't have those close bonds and those close friendships they don't have those friends to call them out when they're acting like an asshole or to sit down with them and be like hey you're really stressed out at work like like just, just sit down and talk about this right and have a little bit of yeah. a pep talk they don't have those yeah. opportunities yeah. yeah let's just get a beer you know like they don't yeah. it's like yeah. they have this like we they have they feel like they're gonna be uh made fun of Mm-hmm. Yeah, for having a friend like it's, so it's it's really sad I think Kelly you made a good point like there's the potential is is so beautiful and so pure yeah. and yeah. a lot of these men like are missing out on this potential and it's it's almost like I'm about to tear up it's actually really sad mm-hmm. yeah it's really yeah. sad yeah. so I think films like these are super important yeah that is a wonderful point. And that's also one of the big things that I love about this movie is their beautiful, perfect, sweet <laughs> dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. They're sweet, good-natured boys or they're our, quote, hillbillies in quotations. Yep. You know, they're so oblivious to a lot of different things. And like, they're not, they're small town folk and that's, yeah. you know, and they're they're very pure in that way. And I love that part. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll we go got back your to- friend. <laughs> what? Just, the music's so ominous. We have help. your friend. Yeah. <laughs> like everything they're trying to do is just to help another person who needs help. <laughs> but this is what's interesting about this film is that you get that juxtaposition, right? You get these yeah. hillbillies, you know, who are yeah. sweet. They're, you know, they're just looking after a stranger who got hurt. And then yep. you get these city kids from the college oh, who are like, toxic masculinity oh god they don't give yeah. a damn about each other they're you know yeah. they're not even listening to anyone like no, right they're not even listening terrible. to their friend who's being like hey let's all sit down and have a conversation about this let's communicate yeah. it's because <laughs> the the movie is set up generally from the college kids point of view which i yeah. find so interesting right because we are seeing the true side of what the truth like the actual reality of what's going on in this situation but the movie often frames it in the point of view like adding in really ominous music like when I think it was Tucker that says we have your friend but he just says it as like we have your friend but they add in the music and like the lighting darkens you know what I mean they're like we have your friend it's like that's not they do they just do have your friend we actually have your friend yeah Yeah, no she's like back in her summer (laughs) like she was hurt injured we're we're helping like in Gracie you know you brought up that scene with the wood chipper right he's just like I don't know what he did he just jumped in and I tried what's wrong with these kids like (laughs) you're right they start being like oh my god it's a suicide cult what is happening yeah yeah but is that just- they're just killing themselves everywhere <laughs> right but i'm like trying to save them I'm like don't do it <laughs> right? they're like, you have so much to live for don't do this <laughs> oh my god speaking of the wood chippers so okay the kills in this movie like Ugh. this like bumps us up and this is why we're this is a horror movie the kills are wonderfully gory and super bloody and hilarious the wood chipper he's running through the woods from the bees and just impales himself and like oh later God. tucker's just like i think that kid was was allergic to bees because <laughs> he was running really fast right uh. 
<laughs> but he was running from you, you oblivious <laughs> adult, and I love you. <laughs> oh my god! Or the kid that gets like falls into the pit and the poker, and he's like going down oh, on the yes. on the stick, oh and, and then like. <laughs> and like Dale's under him just being like oh my god this is happening like oh this is terrible what is happening oh my gosh and the girl gets burned and the face or the guy gets burned and the yeah. girl gets her face like oh. and she's like help me yeah. <laughs> a total comedy of errors the entire yes. time just misunderstanding yes. one after another hey. hello officer good to see you again yeah <laughs> We have had a doozy of a day. A real doozy. Uh, there we were. Yep. Uh, minding our own business. Yep. Making some improvements to my new house. To the new house. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these kids started killing themselves all over my property. Yeah, this one right here, he dove head first right into the wood chipper. In the woody right back there. There's another one up over there who, who shoved a spear through his gullet. Straight through. Now, I don't know how much experience you've had with this, but we were scared shitless. Scared shitless. Okay, so I had this moment where I was watching this film, and I had a feeling that the main college kid, who ends up turning out to be the Sarah The villain. The villain. Spoiler alert. Chad, thank you. Chad. I had a feeling. I'm like, did he set up his friends to bring them out to get murdered out there? Because I'm just like, he's way too gung-ho about all this. He's way too in on, like, I remember just sitting here being like, he's going to kill all his friends. And he's that is a great play on how, I mean, there's a gentleman of colors, a black guy, there's these women, mm-hmm. and they're sort of like nerdy kind of yeah quote unquote like beta males who are there like that's not really a thing but you know and they are all kind of like listening to the macho white guy who's like this is what we're doing and this is what's gonna happen and you're gonna listen to me and he almost has it in his head like i'm the hero of this story Mm yeah i think until the very end and so like all of these friends are just like okay whatever you say you know and Mm -hmm. so it's like they just sort of even though they don't necessarily agree or they like are a little bit off about it they still go with everything that he's saying and to the point where they die yeah Yeah. and like even though the things they're saying i'm like uh no a lot of things he's saying you guys should be questioning like i'm getting some psycho vibe from this guy like absolutely right but it's like that juxtaposition because typically in these types of cabin in the woods horror films it's our hillbillies that we always should be afraid of it's always the backwoods people they're the texas chainsaw massacre family yeah but then at the end of the day, we're like, oh, but we should be all really afraid of our yuppie white American boy out there in the woods. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Chad, who, great line, when they're walking or when he's walking around the cabin and going inside, he's like, this is where evil lives. I was like, okay, calm like- down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this popped collar shithead. Is actually, oh, I hate him so much. I hate him so much. He's also like rapey and he's disgusting. Oh, like yeah. they they created these characters so brilliantly. Yes, it's all it's a play on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, wrong turn, which I love. Hillbillies, like these supposed like, to be these backwoods hillbillies, like inbred, dumb. I'm doing quotations, folks that are listening. So they're supposed to be the ones that are going to be the cannibals or the murderers mm-hmm. or whatever. They're gonna capture this woman. He, we have your friend, because they're gonna they think they're gonna do like sinister things with her, but 
they're not. So that's where, you know, the subversion comes in. And I love that point, Jess. So yeah, guess who we actually should be afraid of? It's not Tucker and Dale, the best friends you'll ever have and the sweetest, <laughs> kindest people you will ever literally meet in your entire lifetime. Yeah. No, those are not the people to be afraid of. It is yeah. Chad and what Chad represents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I want to kind of just mention a point. So when Gracie, you were talking about the male friendship between them and they're, you know, this very platonic relationship, but it's like interesting how there's points in the film where they try to quote it as queer because like that, that misunderstanding mm-hmm. of the cop all the time, mm-hmm. you know, when yeah. they catch him in the car and then they're like, yes, you know, talking about their summer that's home. true. Yeah. Like, but they're just friends. It's total yeah. misunderstanding. Everything that's happening is just yeah. ridiculous. But they're like, we're like, but the cops like, mm, no, I'm getting some vibes here that you're yeah. like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. But yeah, because men, no, men that's right. shouldn't be doing this, yes, right? So exactly. absolutely, again, shouldn't. In they're literally sense. their relationship is being policed quite yes. literally. literally. And yeah, that's such a good point. I forgot that there was like yes, kind of like too. little jokes about that, you know, mm. but but it doesn't hinder their relationship no. though. They don't no. become they don't distance themselves with every, you know, queer joke. Mm. They become closer, I feel like. Yeah. Well, so they don't I even think... to them they don't even it doesn't even register to them. That's, yeah, I was like, saying, right. I don't think they're really cop, aware. They're tell the cop, yeah, you could tell the cop that's what's referencing and us as the viewer we're seeing you're like we know what the cop is thinking, but those guys are not thinking that. They're just like right. It's complete misunderstanding. He dropped right. his beer, like, yeah, right. on the it's floor. All, it's a summer, yeah. Ca- like, yes, yeah. Like you said, it's like all a comedy of errors. It's all about misunderstandings, but it's all about how other people are viewing you. So Tucker and Dale are like viewing these college kids as like, they just keep killing themselves. They're like, what's going on? Why aren't they listening to us? Mm. College kids think they quote hillbillies are like these murder- murderous backwoods folks. Mm. The cops think they're gay. You know, so it's just all about, I think, like a point of view. Everyone's perspective is different. And maybe if we just talked to each other mm-hmm. and communicated, you'd realize that that is not what's happening. Which they do. And that's, um, is her name Allison? Yeah. Um, you know, she's shown as like this sort of like skinny blonde girl and yeah. stuff. And like socially, like she's very beautiful and whatever. But she's really smart. She's going to school yep. for therapy right psychology and she like helps them talk it out and she like she actually which is really great she doesn't tear them apart either yeah she actually like tries to bring everyone together which is nice and that's another great way that i'm glad that they showed her in that light absolutely yeah they play her character because she could be once again read as like just the typical blonde you know that gets like a relationship and we get our love interest but then she shows her that she's yeah she's smart she's a hard worker she goes out there and she's struggling she's like i grew up on a farm like yeah and when you see her you wouldn't like think that you wouldn't see perspective yep exactly so you get all these great elements in these film of these different perspectives yeah. yeah. And all oh, I was going to say, another perspective is that like dumb blonde bimbo mm-hmm. trope and archetype is how Chad views Allie. Yeah. So yes. rapey and disgusting, but that's how he views her. Absolutely. And like all of these, all of the like college kid characters are kind of set up to be like cannon fodder. Like they're out there to be all killed like a horror movie. Like they set this all up, right? Like a cabin in the woods, like all these people are going to die and she would be one of the first ones to die, but she is not. You're right. She's like, a t- she and herself, Allie is like this subversive character and she's mm-hmm. really great. Really, really she great. Does, she does need to be rescued, which, yes. but at least she has like, she's well-rounded as a character. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah for sure. I, there's that <laughs> yeah if i were like to point out one thing that just always kind of irks me about this film is always the damsel in distress mode like yeah she's constantly getting hit in the head and it's yeah. funny because it's funny at the end the joke he's like you know i bought you a pink helmet like okay that's yes. cool <laughs> yeah but to me i'm just like oh damsel in distress trope i'm tired yeah. of that wait i'm over that <laughs> let's do yes, something different for sure for sure yeah. Oh yeah, talk about dislikes. Um, I would say nothing. I want a sequel. And they've talked okay. about this for years and years. And I'm sure it's never gonna happen, but holy hell, would I ever love more of these men, these characters together. I love it. Cause mm. again, like with what we do in the shadows, I laugh out loud to this movie still, and I've watched it numerous times. It's yeah. so funny. So yes. funny. Yeah. I would agree that like the one thing where I'm like, I wish she wasn't in trouble so much like or I wish she like maybe saved one of them like whatever and I feel like if there was a sequel there is an opportunity for that absolutely uh, true. again kind of growing with the genre and like changing it up a bit too so yeah. I think that that would be like that would be the one thing I would really love is yes a sequel to this film mm-hmm. so sad that there mm-hmm. isn't one I know. Hopefully, maybe one day, <laughs> a television series, something. Anyone hearing us? <laughs> More Alan Tudyk. Well, he oh, does yes. a bunch of like sci-fi and fa- sci-fi stuff, which I don't necessarily watch, so I don't get to watch Alan Tudyk much anymore. But um, it's too bad in itself. Maybe I should just go do that. He's done some like little shows. Again, it's just like sometimes in Canada, it's hard to find stuff unless you just mm. subscribe to fifteen hundred different Thanks. streaming services, which I'm not going to do. So. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was in. I'm just speaking of like sci-fi stuff. I think he was in Rogue One. That's the Star Wars movie. Yes, and he, he was. Played, he did yes. the voice of the, one of the robots. Yes, yeah. you are being yes. rescued. Do not resist. <laughs> <laughs> Without voice, yeah, okay, sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody else have any more thoughts, opinions, and emotions about Tucker and Dale versus Evil? I think I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Well, then let's get into it. Our final film, The Final Girls. <laughs> Camp Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. <laughs> Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. Nice legs. What time they open? It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. Somebody's coming. Hey, do you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Tina. So we're in the movie. Oh, hi. What's your name? Strawberries? Nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. Well, writing is so bad. What is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. No sex. <laughs> Run! Wait, wait, wait. Selfie time. Okay. Two. How do we get out of here? Movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy and the credits roll. That's Paula. That's the final girl. We just have to stay with her till the end of the movie. Oops. I wouldn't know where they keep the hard work. 
giant one chainsaws and big ass knives, and I want them now. Um, guys, what's happening? Why am I colorblind? Am I having a stroke? We're in a flashback. I wonder if all this blood is just corn syrup, you know, like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins. Oh, no. Oh, God, that's blood. I know in the movie you're supposed to die, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? What do we do now? We fight. Well, I know Gracie and I have seen this movie before coming for this podcast, but this was a first time watch for you, right, Jess? Yes, it was. Oh my it was God, I'm so happy you got to experience it for the first time. <laughs> I ha- <laughs> You didn't like it? The f- okay, the first time I didn't. When I first watched it, I didn't like it. Oh, oh that's okay. Really? I'm very I want to hear all about it. <laughs> yes, I'm- let's lay this all out, Jess. Okay, yes. okay. So the first time when I watched it, I was at first like, I didn't like this. I remember texting Kelly being like, this was sweet. This was yeah, sweet. that was a no. very sweet, abrupt text. I <laughs> <laughs> said it was a really fun gift, and I was yeah. like, oh, the final girls. Yeah, like, and like, cause I'm like, okay, Kelly likes this film, and I actually don't. What's going on? But then things stuck with me. So the song Betty Davis I stuck with me. I love that song. So it kept kind of like, you know, playing in my head. And I was kind of thinking about the film again. I'm like, and I was having a really rough day one earlier this week. And I was just like, you know what? I want to watch that movie again. And I was like, I'm going to give it a fair shot. I'm going to sit down with it again. I guess, like, you know, Sunday I was really tired. I had done a lot of work that day. So maybe it's just not the right mindset for that. Sat down with it with like a nice hot cup of like chai latte and tea. And I was like storming outside. It was all cozy. And like, I, by the end of the movie is done, I was crying. I was like, oh, oh this movie had to, I, this, this has now become a comfort movie. This has become oh. a like, uh, you know, like I need to have a good cry movie. And I have like a list of movies where I'm like, these are my good cry movies. The final girls has made it onto that list. And so, so now wow. I'm like, I don't love it, but I now see his value and I see it. And I appreciate it now. Whereas the first time I was like, mm, I don't like this film. This is not funny. This is not. And I, and I guess I was trying to compare it to Tucker and Dale versus evil and what we do in the shadows, but this is a different right. Different beast altogether. Yeah. So that's my story. Your lady stories. Wow. You go ahead, Gracie. I know you love this movie. I do. I don't remember how I found it. I think, I think maybe I saw somebody on Instagram or Facebook had posted about it and said like this movie was really good or something. And I saw that it was available to watch on a streaming service. So I watched it and, you know, I was, as I was watching it, I thought, Mm, like this could have been better like they could have done the final girl trope differently like I kind of felt like going into it I was like this I I would have done this film differently and then it got to that ending and I lost it I lost it I started like sobbing like heaving like (gasps) like really crying and I was just like oh my gosh this movie is just delightful Mm. (laughs) and it was like that I think rescues the entire film 
because I do, I do agree, Jess, there are things where I'm like, the comedy doesn't work here, or I don't really think I like this and blah, blah, blah. But that ending is just as like the cherry on top kind of makes the rest of the film work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you know that when, when you go back to the film for me, mm-hmm. I feel like knowing that, that this is what it's leading up to, I think makes the entire film like way better personally. Um, so like I said, I'm not sure how I found it, but uh, it, it truly like stuck with me. Like, and it still makes me cry as Kelly will can <laughs> tell you all that she saw my post on Instagram. I right? saw that too. Yep. And, that was, and that I was, was another like, one. I was like, I need to go check this out. If, if Gracie's crying, I need to go check this out. <laughs> I, I, watch it. I was like, I've seen this movie three or four times. Every time I'm sobbing. Oh, and no. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm still not desensitized to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am made of stone and it absolutely does not make me cry. But I do really, really adore this movie. I saw it around the time that it came out. I did not see it in theaters, but I did like the idea of it because again, like Tucker and Dale versus evil and what we do with the shadows, it was flipping the idea of slasher movies and the tropes and everything on its head. And I was like, well, I really like this idea. I love the premise. It's like with the other two movies, let's have fun with these tropes that especially in slasher films are really ridiculous. But again, I don't think this movie is making fun of those films. It brings an incredible amount of heart into these films that are vastly lacking in actual pretty much almost all slasher films. So that's kind of the thing about slasher films. They don't have heart. So it's like another element that I'm just discovering Mm, now that it's subverting for slasher films. It's providing you real human emotions and (laughs) that I don't have, but that it is invoking in a lot of people. So I loved the idea of it and it seemed fun. And then I wanted to watch it. So yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. story. And I've watched it a few times, not many, but like maybe two or three times since I first saw it a number of years ago. So yeah. So Jess, what, uh, besides making you cry, it seems, um, what did you in second viewing, like, what do you like about the movie? Like what really okay, worked yeah. for you? Yeah. So what really worked for me in the second viewing was like Gracie was saying that point, like knowing the ending was coming changes how I watched the movie now. Right. So, cause before I was going in and being like, final girls, like, come on, do the trope differently. But you're just doing, you're playing into exactly what I don't like in these films. But what I did like was how much these characters were humanized. So I really liked how yeah. we got into humanizing our characters who get killed. And I remember thinking yeah. about a blog, po- a blog post I wrote a, a while ago about these characters, right? Often yeah. these characters are just cannon fodder for the slasher. Yeah. They get their fun scene to like make them memorable, you know, but then, but then we get to see them humanized. We get to see Tina humanized. Yeah she's a ridiculous character and she's yeah but we, yep. we see her as a as a human so we feel for yeah. their deaths and, we, and each yeah. one of these characters feel for each other's death and so yeah. that's what i liked is our, our humanization of our characters absolutely you know the music betty's davis eyes i freaking love that song <laughs> i always have so having that throughout the film it really was just yeah. really fun for me oh goodness how else uh, i and i love how it was it's playing on the idea that I, I, I'm always a huge fan of is how horror can be healing. So she's mm-hmm. dealing with the death of her mother. Yeah. She's going through that grief. She originally didn't want to go to the film festival to see that yeah. you know film because yeah. she's going to see her mother and it's going to bring up all this emotions. Yeah. But then she's going through this experience with her mother, who's this character in this film. And she's you know, going through the motions of experiencing grief, but also coming to her terms of acceptance. And it yeah. just kind of, I kept kind of thinking it might be like, horror is healing, horror is healing, because 
she's this is when she's able to see her mother again she will always yeah. be able to capture her mother yeah. again in this film oh, i got chills thank you <laughs> right and you know yep. and she's and she's you know at the end when she's you know has that, that final moment with her mother she stands up she's like okay i'm gonna be strong again and i'm gonna like beat up the bad guy right and yep. and that's kind of how i feel when i watch horror movies and i'm feeling down and i need to like reconnect with something within myself i turn to those films so i just feel yeah. like in this film that was representative for her in that moment. Yeah. So I think that was like the biggest thing when I turned around and said, yeah. no, I like this film now. I walked away from it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I get that. that. An excellent observation. I would say I'd like to think now that the daughter, now I don't remember anybody's name. Max. Uh, Max, <laughs> thank you. That from the end of this, like once they get out of the sequel, um, like <laughs> as she moves on, she will gladly go to double screenings of her mom's horror movies. Like from now mm. on, she will champion these movies. And that's how, exactly like you said, she'll be able to each time, each time she watches it, each time she goes and hears everybody's love for her mom in this role, that jumping ahead. But one of the things that I really liked about it is that it showed this movie shows what we experience in real life is that we have actors that started out in horror that are trying to have like legit careers, but people mm -hmm. keep bringing them back. We're like, but we really loved you in this eighties slasher, this eighties horror yeah, movie. And I know the Scream Queens. Totally. Absolutely. And like, they're trying, she's trying to move on from that and get like serious, legit roles as an actress, but they keep bringing back. So I, I love that. I, I think if she would have lived, maybe she would have embraced that, that part of her life a bit more, but I love that now her daughter, Max can, just champion these films for, you know, moment in time for them, but she can live and see her mom, like kind of live through her mom's experience in the movie. Cause now she also has lived through the experience and it's like this bonding thing that she'll have forever. And it's a really, really unique aspect of this movie that I enjoyed so much for sure. So I actually have a few things to talk about with this. So I guess I'll start with going back to how this subverts the horror tropes of like the 80s. So I feel like we see a like, I feel like when it comes to like POV, like point of view, right? Yeah. We see a lot through the killer's eyes. And I think Carol J. Clover talks about this. I have not read Men, Women, and Chainsaws in 5 million years. Mm -hmm. But I believe she talks about how like we are all, the audience is put into the POV of the killer in these films. That doesn't yeah. happen in this movie. No. Which is like, so cool. Like, I love yeah. that, that that never happens in this film. In fact, the gaze is all Max and her mother slash Nancy. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. all about how they are seeing everything, especially mm -hmm. Max. And the fact that there is like a hetero couple, which is Max and Chris, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there mm -hmm. is this ending of them getting together. That ending is completely squashed <laughs> by the mother-daughter relationship. In yeah, yeah. So going on to that, I feel like, so there's the gaze is all female, I feel like, in this film, mm -hmm. which yeah. is actually really nice, especially since it was directed by a, a man. Mm -hmm. And I think written by a man, too. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that we have the female gaze in this film is quite enjoyable. Then the mother-daughter relationship for me. Mm -hmm. That, like I said, that squashes the heteronormative relationship. That the is romance, like, yeah, the romance. It squashes that. Like, Thank God. who the fuck cares, <laughs> cares. cares. about? No Chris? one cares. Nobody. No one cares. cares about Chris. It was no, an awkward relationship. We don't. The only thing I care about Chris is the fact that he puts Kurtz in his place, and that's what I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. was yeah. he say something like, 
you know, like he's he's like, I have two dads. Or I something. have two dads. Like, and yeah. He tells him off about like how you're talking about women. You shouldn't talk about women yes. that way. And yes. yeah, it's like, thank and you, Chris. That's the only <laughs> thing I want to talk about this film because I feel like this film is already meta. It's yeah. even more meta because yeah. here are here's an 80s horror film. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then here are these 2015 kids yeah. that come into this horror film and they're yeah. like, none of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. This is all like shit. <laughs> your shit, your shit, your shit, your yeah. shit. Yeah. And yeah. Max says like to Nancy, like, you don't have to be this way. Yeah. yeah. This doesn't have to be this way. And although Max does end up in a heteronormative relationship at the end, like she and her friends there are all trying to change like how yeah. horror is like it, this oh, yeah. does not have to be this way yeah. and I think it sort of happens because we have this relationship of this mother and daughter and that's another thing I feel like is never seen in slashers is the mother-daughter relationship yeah. we do get yeah. a little bit of it in Scream which yeah. I have heard people compare this film to Scream because Sydney Prescott's mom, we find out in the third one, right? She was in horror movies, like in 80s mm -hmm. horror movies. She was like trigger warning. She was raped. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. produces Roman, who's a bad guy, blah, 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 blah. Also yeah. very kind of Tucker, Tucker and Dale kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trope there going on um yeah. but so there's you know this look at like how women were treated in the 80s and in these yep. horrors and movies and then their daughters like this other wave of feminism and horror mm -hmm. is coming up and yeah. basically like saying like this is <laughs> we don't have to deal with this anymore like like final girls yeah. are different now and yeah whatever so yeah. i i kind of like this like this relationship of these um of this mother daughter relationship in a slasher because we don't see that ever Agreed. so I, li yep. I like that too all those are all the things that i like about yeah. this film <laughs> oh, for sure and if there is a mother daughter relationship it's definitely it's not really a slasher but it's going to be toxic yes yeah, so i was thinking of a different one, but yeah toxic deranged yes, monstrous yes. like there's a there's gonna some bad a you're gonna get a margaret white who is exactly like that's exactly who was in my <laughs> mind i was exactly thinking about yeah, <laughs> yeah you get those types of moms you don't get the sweet kind mom moms yeah you yeah. don't get the heart you don't get the the kind the like the joy the relationship like this yeah. love yeah and this sacrifice that happens and i feel like that like that is the heart right of this mm -hmm. film is this mother-daughter relationship yeah yeah absolutely some other things that i would say i like i like the cast a lot i think it was just like this wonderful group of young actors oh my god generally speaking i am unabashedly a massive fan of adam divine so the fact that he is in this I am so happy because I love him so much because he is a 14 year old boy with 14 year old boy humor okay. and that's my sense of humor so I love Adam Divine and did any of you watch like the post credit like bloopers and stuff like I that? I did I did oh I god did. no oh my god watch I them that. oh my god <laughs> tons of bloopers and like Adam Divine in the car with the 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 final girl character oh, or love. whatever and they're in oh, the car and he just oh, like yeah. he keeps riffing on her oh my god and that's the only time I liked him <laughs> the character. Was, was right before he died <laughs> I just I just I couldn't get in like I, I've seen yeah. Adam Devine in other things before and I just can't 
get yeah. where I'm just like, oh, I'm not yeah. on board with it. So when Kurt dies, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, because I think I, that's like, supposed to be how you yeah, react. The person I was always like, like heckling and got laughing for is Gertie's character because I love that. Oh actress. my god, I she is. <laughs> it would be she's like the next person I was going to bring up, but yeah, she like, is just. <laughs> She's in Comedy um, Gold. Search Party, right? Is this the same actress? Uh, Gertie, she also plays, uh, well, she's in uh, Arrested Development. She's made. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen Search Party. Oh, okay. Then I should check it's this out. It's amazing. It's on, yeah. it's on HBO, I think. Okay, okay. So, yeah. cool. so good. She's really good in that one. So yeah, these interesting characters. And I know that, is it Tessa Formiga? Oh, Tessa. Tessa. Tessa Formiga. The only I thing only, I dislike about the movie. Yeah, and that's the only thing is just like, I love her in American Horror Story. I, like those are the only that's the things I've seen her acting yeah. in that I enjoy. I just saw her in The Nun, couldn't get on board with, you know, and then I watched her in this and I was like, mm, I just yeah. not, you're just not grabbing me. <laughs> no, I don't think she, I honestly, I just don't really think she's a great actress. Like she doesn't really have a lot of range. She can do watery eyes and big watery sad eyes, but Ooh. she's very one note. She, again, yeah, she doesn't have weepy. range. She, she what? She's very weepy. Weepy. Yes, if I said creepy, and I could get my <laughs> weepy and creepy because I find weepy, weepy people creepy. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So she really just like, whenever she's on screen, I'm like, oh God. Like, it's just like brings the scene and she's the main character. Mm. So it's, she kind of, she, for me, she kind of drags the movie down a little bit. And I just wish, well, like, I like the ending because then she ends up like kicking ass a bit and she kind of like gets a little boost yeah, and then yeah. she literally just kicks some ass. So like, I love that, but just generally speaking, not my favorite. But I may be wondering, so here's my thought around this. Maybe she's supposed to be not as such a big character to us because it's supposed to be like final girls, right? And every one yeah. of the girls there are being like, I could be the final girl. I could be the final girl. And they've yeah. all like, you know, and they're technically, but they all keep talking about how like, well, we're technically fodder. We're eventually going to die, yeah. right? So our characters yeah. don't mean that much. We're like, but no, your characters mean a lot. Like we all mean, <laughs> you're all important. Any of yeah. you could be the final girl. Any, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Any of you could be the final girl. So I think maybe yeah. like Max's character, like it's played down more because we get to see all these other really interesting diverse characters and because we don't normally see them in these ways slasher films they are the characters that will die first and it's usually always the final girl who is first and foremost in her face all the time mm -hmm. but that's not the case so me as so i've like maybe they pulled it back no and i wonder if they want you to think that nancy is going to be the final girl mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the name and because it's her mom and like oh her mom will live at least in the movie you know and i wonder if they're gonna i wonder if they try to get people to think that and of course then nancy's like well no like both of us can't live yeah you know yeah so by the rules Dems the rules yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other things I like about this film is a lot of the references to the different horror. Like, so I feel oh, like yeah. if you are a fan of slasher films and seeing so many slasher films, you will get some of the scenes, some of the references. Yep. Like, I remember those yep. points where I'm just like, oh, The Burning, Sleepaway Camp, Friday the 13th, Halloween. We're getting all like all the different elements being played throughout this film. And I, I thought that was really interesting. I remember I had one of my other partners who's watched the film. He watched it twice in one day because he loved it so much. And he told me, he's like, when you watch it pause on the resume and you'll love it and i'm like okay so i paused on the resume and it said chopping mall and i was like yes oh my god oh, nice. chopping mall. Yeah. this is yeah. one of my favorite 80s horror movies but then yeah. i started thinking about barbara crampton and yeah. uh nancy um 
like I can't remember her mother's name. Amanda. Amanda. So her name, Amanda Cartwright. Thank you. She yeah. talks about, you know, I'm always gonna be known as a scream queen and I'm, you yeah. know, back in, and I remember thinking about Barbara Crampton and her, how she felt in the eighties, how everyone just kept referring to her as a scream queen and she got pigeonholed right away. That's so that she walked, walked away from the horror genre, but then she came back and she came back swinging and she's just like, no, fine. I'm not a scream queen, but I will embrace my, I'll embrace what I, who I am in the horror genre. I'll embrace those roles. And she's been able to have all these other kind of roles. So I'm like, almost like, well, what happens if Amanda had lived and yeah. you know, she eventually does embrace her roles in the horror genre. And maybe she could return to that, but return to it in a different way. Kind of like the way Barbara Crampton did. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. She well, what she if? could return to like she could return, but like Crampton, like she could like grow with the times yes. as well. Yeah. Like she could maybe be seen like as she could be a final girl because she dies, right? And mm-hmm. um it's called Camp Bloodbath. Bloodbath, right? yeah. Camp like, Bloodbath. Yeah. So it's like she maybe could be like an older final girl, which we don't really see very often mm-hmm. either, is like these these older women who are like running like these horror movies you know and I wonder if like she could have done that like the whole idea of like growing with the times and like changing like this is not how it has to be like we can make Mm -hmm. it work this way yeah Yeah, I think that that's that's a good point I wonder if she would have maybe if she would have accepted it she would have grown with it yeah like not feeling ashamed of being right. important because she says to like max she's like never do a slasher film like that will just yeah. and you're like and we know that a lot of actresses struggled with that in the 80s like they yeah. or once they did a slasher film they were always going to be pigeonholed for that and had to and women had to really fight hard to find uh, the, find their place in the horror genre but then it's once again i'm, I'm going to quote um our friend over at hellbent for horror like horror doesn't deserve our shame so why yeah. should, they shouldn't feel ashamed of having started a slasher film that was how, yeah. how they start their career and some yeah. and a lot of these women are becoming very successful in these careers yep yeah, absolutely and we love them we love yes. these movies we love their roles and we just like love them so uh, yeah i wish more would embrace it i want all of the leanna quigley's ever because <laughs> <laughs> she is one of the prime examples of fully embracing her like b horror movie status and i yep. love that about yep. her she is like one of my favorite people also really loves animals um yes. mm, so yeah. she is she is lovely yeah i don't know anybody else have anything else to say about the final girls i think i'm good i think i'm good too yeah okay her hair is hollow gold And now we've arrived at Spencer's final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our sponsor, Brutalities. Since we're Spencer's, we obviously love tea. One of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold, rainy day. Or with a good book. Absolutely. With a mug of delicious, hot 
T. Brutalities is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more, but what stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky and metal-inspired names. With Screamsicle and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in... I am obsessed with tiramisu. And I'm currently obsessed with Banana Bell. So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian fans, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. And so, Gracie, because you are our guest, you are our honorary spinster today. So... (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Even though I'm married and have a child. (laughs) Do you like tea? Do you like cats? Do you love tea? I love cats. You like being comfortable. And I am asexual, so. There you go. You're an unconventional woman in in numerous ways who has a feminist podcast. So it's all right. We get it. You're honorary spinster either way because you're now part of our crew. Um, So why don't you start us off? And if you have any final thoughts about the general themes that we talked about today, these movies, anything at all. Well, I think for me, like these films, um, I think if you're going to do a horror comedy that works for me personally, don't want to use the word highbrow. I think that that's, I hate it. I hate it. I'm not going to use it. But I think that there needs to be heart. I think that the the horror comedies actually work for me have, a, like we said earlier, a sweetness, a love, not only from the people who are making them, because they obviously love horror, but the the themes of it, you know, you know, the first one, um, you know, a bunch of guys living together who are, you know, very domestic and maternal. And then you have Tucker and Dale, who are two white men who have this very deep friendship and then you have the final girls which turns like the slasher on its head by making it about a mother and daughter i think that if you're going to have horror comedy you need to sort of have this heart to it because i think that that's what connects like has people connect to it really well that's just me there we go i'm so happy i was like these are the these are truly like the top three i think so i'm glad we got to talk about them yeah me too and i agree just would you like to go next yeah so my final thoughts are these films is i turn to horror comedies because a like whenever I'm feeling un- uncomfortable, I still want to feel comfortable in horror. So as much as I turn to horror to feel uncomfortable and un- uncover truths and to talk about heavy topics, sometimes I need to look to the horror comedies to, like Gracie said, to have that heart. And I love the horror comedies that pay tribute to horror, to the horror genre. We have those little Easter eggs. We have those, bo- we have those scenes that are referencing old horror films, you know, and it, it just, it shows how much that the genre has so much to offer to people and to enjoy and have fun in and to laugh. And like you said, and like Kelly, saying earlier when you watch a horror comedy with someone you're having this experience and they're all laughing and having a great time and so I love the fact that you know we have that we can have fun we can poke fun at horror and have fun within horror without being mean and malicious and sometimes other horror films when horror parodies I start being mean and malicious I start being like well now you're portraying us as idiots and you know and this is why like I can I love your point earlier about the scary film the scary uh, movie franchise and how like you know this could be a way of you know, these, um, you know, the Wayne brothers, like showing how horror genre has not been kind to um, black actors in the genre. 
but at the same time too, some of the dialogue, I'm just like, mm, now you're making horror fans look like a bunch of drug addicts and not really great people. So yeah. <laughs> and and there's, there's also like, I was just remembering this, like, I feel like there's like very homophobic jokes in those and stuff. A too. lot of that so, too. Yeah. They're, so you're, they're very mean spirited and you're right, Jess. It's a great point. Side note. Yeah. So, so that, that's why I like, so that's why I like the horror comedies. Like, Cause like we don't need to be mean spirited. Like there's already enough meanness in the world and people are always attacking <laughs> horror fans for what we love. Like, let's just have a genre that we can celebrate that too. And I love the fact that even though I have friends who don't like horror movies, I can at least show them a horror comedy and they will still enjoy it. And they'll under, and they'll get to see why I love it so much. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is a reference to Friday the 13th or this is a reference to like interview with a vampire. Right. And that's where I come when I come to horror comedies and why I enjoy them so much. And for my final thoughts, um, horror and comedy, I think go incredibly well together. They work very similarly and in similar ways. Timing of both are crucial comedy and horror are scary in our atmosphere. So when you're watching a comedy, you're laughing. It releases endorphins, which makes us feel so good. Horror or fear releases adrenaline and then dopamine. There is this incredible high that we get after becoming afraid or after a very frightening experience. And that is also wonderful. So they work so well together because they just kind of work similarly. And I love that about it. And for me personally, I used to be less interested in horror comedies. Let's go back like 10, 15 years ago. But as I got older, I kind of fell in love with their charm. And like Gracie said, I think these are three like top tier prime examples. And I'd love to watch more if folks have any recommendations. These are like top tier, wonderful, incredible films. And we just touched on just like a few points of, of all of them, just, you know, kind of based on time, but these are laugh out loud, wonderfully bloody horror movies deserving of all kinds of accolades. Horror comedy. It's like chocolate and Potato peanut butter. <laughs> or peanut butter. <laughs> Chocolate and pretzels. We've yes. seen it. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that ends our episode on the ever wonderful genre of horror comedies. First off, thank you so much, Gracie, for being here and being our very first guest ever on our podcast. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yay. I had the best time. <laughs> It was. So we adore you, Abby, and good morning, Nancy. So where can people find your podcast and you on the social media? Oh my gosh. Okay. So right now our website is trashed. I am trying to figure it out. Like there's, so the link does not work. Don't go to goodmorningnancy.com. It does not exist, but we still have all of our social media up. Uh, we're on Facebook at Good Morning Nancy, Instagram at Good Morning Nancy Podcast, and Twitter at Good Morning Nan. And that's morning with an O-U. So yeah, you can find us there. You can listen to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever there is out there. It's on everything, Google Play. So you can listen to our show on there. We're on maternity leave right now. My co-host just had a baby, um, but we'll be back sometime in September, maybe beginning of October. So we'll have new stuff then. Until then, there's like 90 episodes that you can listen to. <laughs> yes. And you have a Patreon, right? Is that still running? Yes, we do yes. have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Nancy. Right now during this maternity leave, I am writing like little blog posts on there, reviewing movies. Um, I came out as asexual on our Patreon. <laughs> so if you want to read the story of like how I connected asexuality with Final Girls, uh, you can mm. read that on there. So yeah, you can check that out. 
right. Excellent. Um, so we want to thank Dance of the Dead with our intro, outro music, Robeast, and Brandon for all of his work on our promotional materials. Also, a big thank you to all of our listeners. We want to remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com, our Facebook page, Spinsters of Horror. We also have a very special Facebook group called Spinsters of Horror Coven. We're also on Twitter at Horror Spinsters and Instagram at Spinsters of Horror. And as well, please rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcasting app you listen to us on. And we also have merch. Please visit TeePublic to purchase our shirts and buy stickers on our shop where there's also a donate button. So next month is our first listeners request month. So in our first year, we were asked by a fan to cover a series of films that came out in the 80s. But since we were still finding our stride, we hadn't felt ready to do that yet. But here we are three years later, and we're more than ready to talk about the Slumber Party Massacre series. So get your PJs and your snacks ready for a slumber party with the spinsters. Until then, remember, the future of fear is female. <laughs> <laughs>